Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And our topic today, our theme is surrendering to God's season when life turns upside down. Surrendering to God's season when life turns upside down. And I really want to revolve my comments today around uh, a verse and actually a text from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And the, core, the core verse is, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. I've been meditating on this text and memorizing it, praying it, pondering it, sitting in stillness and resting in the love of God around it uh, for the last few weeks. And actually, this past week, we had two, uh, two deaths closely connected to us uh, here in Queens, uh, Blanca and Frankie. And again, we're in the epicenter of the epicenter of the pandemic at this point. Uh, and... Uh, just, you know, it was very sad, uh, connected to our church for a very long time. And uh, so just, a, again, a season of sadness. And we're in day 49 of shelter in place or our quarantine. And so this is long, very long. And uh, it looks like it's going to last a very long time. And uh, life has been disrupted for... Uh, all of us on many levels. There's been a loss of control. It's happened to us. Uh, our lives have been turned upside down. And so we're going to talk about seasons. And really, I, I want to break up the seasons in four levels as I've journaled about it. There's a personal season. Then I got a family season, uh, in our case, four daughters, uh, two of whom are married. Uh, and then I've got a church season, the local church and the larger church season that we're in. And then there's a world season. Uh, and I've been reading, for example, just the last few days about as the pandemic spreading into countries like Afghanistan and Syria and uh, Ecuador, poorer countries with much less medical infrastructure than we have here uh, in North America. And I have a world map uh, on one of our walls. And I sat there the other day and again, meditating on Ecclesiastes 3, to everything is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, and asking God, looking at the map, you know, Russia so it takes a big land space, you know, and across, what, seven, eight time zones, and again, the world such a big place, and I think this thing in five months, this virus has spread globally, and it's just mind-boggling, and so I'd like to do a devotional today around Ecclesiastes 3 and the theme of seasons. And then I want to make a few applications of where I think we are. And then I'd like to end with uh, two minutes of letting go, of surrendering uh, to God in silence and stillness before the Lord. Okay, so again, I, let me just make a note here. We're, we're, we're talking about a large, wide theology of Scripture uh, and that is our commitment as Emotionally Healthy Discipleship is to bring a uh, many of the missing pieces of discipleship that are clearly in Scripture, yet not often talked about, especially in the Western Church. And so we've put it into the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, and part one of that in particular, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, really provides the large theological framework. Uh, and really, this podcast fits within that large framework. And uh, it's not a small group curriculum. It's actually a, a whole course. And uh, one aspect of the season I'm convinced that we're in as a church globally is a shift from shallowness to consumer, from shallowness or consumer spirituality 
to a deep transformation in Jesus. And it's really a season of deepening uh, and getting very serious about uh, being a disciple, a deeper disciple of Jesus and making disciples. And so let me encourage you before I launch into this to go to our website, emotionallyhealthy.org slash lead and and, uh, get trained, get the kit and do a pilot of the course uh, with a few people on Zoom, uh, perhaps your leadership, uh, because it's you getting into it yourself for yourself first uh, that's going to bring change long term. And there's actually season and time now to actually do that. So again, let me encourage you, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash lead. Uh, it's really free to get you started there. It's a, it's a great gift, our gift to you. All right, let's dive in here to Ecclesiastes 3. To everything, there is a season. The word key there is to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. The key word is everything and then every purpose under heaven. Now, people use images and metaphors to look at life all the time. And you'll hear things like, you know, life's a game of chance. Some win, some lose. It's, it's luck. Uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, it's a way of viewing life. It's very fatalistic. Uh, I hope I beat the odds. Another way people use um, view life is life's a battle. It's a war that we're in. You get the enemy, the enemy gets you. And, and so there's this feeling of constantly being in a state of siege, uh, paranoia, us versus them. Uh, another one is, you know, life is dog eat dog. It's a competition, uh, whether it's school, jobs, your children, sports, you know, churches. It's, and again, it's just a, it's a battle image. And uh, what happens, the way we have a, the images we have to frame life uh, often have a way of becoming reality in us. And we live in, we, we end up living into them. But the biblical, the dominant biblical image for God's work uh, in the world is that of seasons. Uh, and again, Ecclesiastes 3 talks about a season. Uh, to everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And uh, I like that, you know, many of you may know the verse in First Chronicles 12, 32, where it says, men of Issachar who understood the times knew what Israel should do. They understood the times or the season. Uh, you know, David wrote, my, times is, my time is in your hands. But the reason the season metaphor is so helpful, especially uh, for those of us in leadership, is because it's a very grown-up, mature way to live uh, and to get us out of being uh, babyish and having tantrums. It, it gives us perspective that we're on a long journey that never ends in life. Uh, it's a very rich image because it takes in all of life, struggles and victories and losses and joys and darkness and light. Um, and uh, it, it goes, it, it's, it's this farming or nature metaphor. It's just, a, it's, so, it's so large in scripture. Uh, and understand that with the Industrial Revolution, we came into a manufacturing metaphor. You know, we, we don't grow a life. We, we make a life. We invest in people. We make friends. We make time. We save time. We, we make money. We make a living. We get the right people on the bus and off the bus. And we talk about people as resources and uh, dead weights and liabilities and assets. And, and, and we kind of have this machine view, like we can genetically engineer our way out of things. And uh, it works for machines that's not work well with people. And uh, and really the season metaphor in particular is so good because it runs right headstrong into our self-will that wants to be in charge. Uh, and when you get to seasons, it's out of our control. And so this, this season metaphor is so significant now living through the pandemic because uh, it, it, we're, we're head right into something that we can't control. Uh, and so Ecclesiastes as a book is the, is the one uh, probably 
purest philosophy book in the Bible. You know, it raises very deep questions about life. Why am I here? What's true? How should I live my life? And, and how do I discover the meaning and purpose in life? And and point of Ecclesiastes as a book is that we've got to see life through God's perspective and according to his eternal plan. Otherwise, uh, everything is vanity. It's, it's 38 times in the book, everything is vanity. All is vanity. It's, in other words, it's empty. It's senseless. It's meaningless. It's smoke. It just slips through our hands. That's what that's all about. And so by the time they get to chapter 3, the author of Ecclesiastes starts talking about seasons. And uh, to everything, there's a season, a time uh, appointed, literally in Hebrew, for every purpose under heaven. All activity, no exceptions. And so as it begins to go down the verses, it, it gives seven couplets of two. And much like the book of Revelation, because it's conveying the idea of, of completeness, all of life. And uh, in some ways, it's not necessarily a moral pronouncement about, you know, killing and all that. It's actually just observing uh, what does happen under heaven. And so it begins by saying a time to born and a time to die. You know, there, you know the fact of, again, we God chooses the moment of our birth, where we're born, through whom we're born, and he has chosen a day that we will die. Uh, there is a time, and there's a time to plant and a time to uproot and again, using of agriculture, but applies to all of life. There's a time to start something. There's a time to end something. Uh, uprooted, it's over. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to, to build. And again, the point is there's times in life for constructing and building. Uh, and there's, there's times for endings. Uh, again, think of ministries, think of groups, uh, how we parent. There, there's time to, to, to tear down, time to build. There's time to, to initiate and then he goes into an, all the emotions of life, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance. In other words, there's a, there's a season for that. Uh, for each of those, as we go through a life, there's a time to gather stones and, 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 uh, and, and not. It's a time to if embrace and refrain, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away. And uh, It's interesting, even, it seems to be re even regarding wealth, you know, a time to tear uh, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak. And he's, again, all of life. And, and again, he points out about there's a time to, to, to mourn. There's, there's a time of tearing, tearing in, Bible, in ancient Israel, you know, mourning, uh, ending of relationships, deaths. Uh, and then he goes a time to love, a time to hate. So he's, he's, again, it's just, it's just describing life, time of war, time of peace. There are seasons. And literally, it says this, he has made, verse 11, everything beautiful in its time. And the word there, he has made, it's a word for creation, everything beautiful. In Hebrew, that means appropriate in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so it's God's place in our hearts, this sense of eternity, to, that we want to understand what's going on, what's happening, we're made in his image. But yet, God's revealed himself but yet he's still hidden from us. So much of life is uh, it's like a puzzle. We can see one or two pieces. Uh, we can see a fraction of the movement, uh, but this overall masterpiece of life, uh, God has got a handle on it. He's the work of the creator. And so we, we recognize there's something of a grand design, but we just can't see it, uh, especially from beginning to end. And so the invitation of seasons is an invitation to surrender. Again, I'm not talking about resignation talking about surrender. Resignation is passive. It's kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, and I'm resigned. Uh, that's not what biblical surrender is about. We're talking about a surrender, an active surrender to a person, the living God, 
who is the sovereign Lord of the universe. And it, it it's an acknowledgement that the the fact that I'm in control is a is an illusion, and it surrendering breaks the illusion that we're in control. Uh, let's face it, we most we disrupt we we resent we resent disruptions into our life plans. We have plans. I have plans. I had a lot of plans prior to the pandemic hitting, uh, but uh, surrendering challenges the illusion that I was ever in control. And these are key moments like we're living in right now. This kind of a level of disruption to actually change the whole way we orient ourselves to life. It can be a birth scream. In other words, it's like it's painful, but it can be like a birth scream coming out of us to something new happening, something new being birthed, something uh, actually a new freedom, a new stage in our journey with Jesus, uh, in our new in our journey with life with Him. Uh, listen, the foundational issue of all addictions, uh, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, is really underneath it is control. That's why if you go to any twelve step group, uh, the, the the first thing you're dealing with is you, step one is I'm powerless. I'm powerless because we're addicted to playing God, that we can actually do it without God. And we want to manage life ourselves. And I just start making a list for my own sake of all the biblical characters that love to be in control like I do. I thought of Peter, you know, cutting off ears, uh, that, that's a servant's ear as Jesus arrests because he was he wanted to control the way this kingdom thing was going to flow out. I, I thought of Judas. I, I relate to Judas, you know, his discouragement uh, as, this, as, as the Christian life was unfolding under Jesus. Uh, and he's a, Judas is meant to be a warning for us because he did not like the disruption Jesus was bringing into his life with the cross. He didn't like how things were turning out. Uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, in, in uh, Genesis 16, when, when he ends up having a baby with Hagar out of wedlock because, again, impatience and not, want, not liking what God's doing, this disruption of waiting. Moses striking a rock in frustration in numbers. And I thought of Saul's whole journey of not liking the way God was, you know, acting and taking control. I thought of Israel wanting a king like all the other nations and the mess that that unleashed over time. Again, versus the invitation to surrender, you know, versus fighting God with a clenched fist. I mean, I, I imagine you are like me. Uh, how many of you like to be in control? I mean, I get upset uh, when I lose my phone uh, or my computer dies, uh, let alone a pandemic when the whole world is disrupted and everything is turned upside down. I mean, I can barely trust the GPS on my phone uh, or on my, uh, when I'm driving a car because they really know what they're doing. It's only a computer anyway. It's artificial intelligence. And uh, let alone trusting God on a you know, much larger scale because I, and along with yourself, we want to desperately be in charge. Uh, I, I like moving through life at 70 miles an hour, uh, and I don't want to be dependent on seasons that are outside my control. And again, this is built into our whole culture. And so God comes, he intervenes for us. And again, first to us as leaders, and I think for our, our churches that we're leading and our ministries that we're leading, and he says this, to everything there is a season, everything, and a time for every purpose under heaven. So this is, this is serious, maturing, growing up material. Uh, and a theme. This is not. This is not a a preaching topic. This is a truth to be lived, and one has to live into it through the seasons. And that's why this is such a significant moment uh, for the church, and I believe for us as leaders. So let me just take a few moments now. Let's talk about the seasons. Uh, I like to go through. The four seasons, briefly, just explain each one, but I want to go back to winter. That's where I believe we're in a winter season. Uh, winter's a tough season. 
So uh, first season's fall. Fall is about transition. It's actually preparing for winter. Uh, we actually skipped fall. We went right into a full winter uh, in a corporate sense. And fall is a time of preparation uh, for many plants and animals. They're getting ready for harvest and uh, trees shed their leaves, uh, bark, uh, you know, is protecting the, uh, the, the, the life of that tree. It's a season of great beauty, but it's also a season of decline. Days grow shorter. Summer's abundance is basically leaving and winter's coming. Uh, it's a time of dying and seeding uh, because an inevitable winter is coming and uh, nature is going to scatter some seeds that's going to bring new growth in the spring, but it's fall is transition. Uh, but then there's winter and winter is death. So fall is transition, winter is a death season. It's a demanding season. Plants don't aren't growing visibly. Nature feels like an enemy. Uh, yet winter has gifts. Uh, it's not dead. It, it got, it's gone on. Life has gone underground to prepare for spring. But I'll come back to winter in just a moment because I want to expound on that. But then there's spring. Spring is a time of fruitfulness. So you got transition, fall, winter, death, spring, fruitfulness. Early spring begins slowly, tentatively. Tender roots kind of come through the ground. The days get longer. Winds gets warmer. The world gets green again. And by late spring, it's flamboyant, sensational, blooming flowers, trees. It's wonderful. And then by summer, we're in abundance, a state of plenty. You know, there's meadows and fields of wheat and corn and gardens and yards with weeds. And all the promises, in a sense, come for the fulfillment of win a fall, winter, and spring. Here they are. It's summer. And in summer, you say, I can't, I can't, I can't even remember when it was winter. But we are in a winter. A winter came upon us very quickly. Uh, and I want to say, to share with you what, what a mentor said to me when I first even understood what was going on in my first winter. Uh, and I was actually, before I got into emotional discipleship, I was actually uh, in, 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 in transitioning into getting understanding a lot of things in scripture I had understood before. And I was really depressed. Things were falling apart around me. And he said to me on the phone, I'll never forget it, because he was 25 years older than me. He said, that is wonderful. And I said, what? You know, he says, no, the fact that things have fallen apart and you're depressed and you don't know where God is or what he's doing, it's wonderful. Uh, he could see that I was in a winter and this was a great season uh, for me. And I was actually beginning to embrace it. So we're in a winter. And again, winter is a, a season of clarity. The sky is clear. The trees are bare. Uh, the, the landscape is clear. You, you can see through trees and uh, it, it's you can see through the surface of things, uh, and 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 the point of winter is something is is hidden within the dying. There's a road closed sign, but uh, because it's closed, because there's another one. God's going to have us travel on. There, there's losses that are forcing us to discern meaning meanings that we need to know for the long term. Now the problem is we demand the glory of summer and spring. We don't want we don't want the winter. We don't want the fall either. Uh, and we make believe it's all fine. I mean, could you imagine? Uh, in the winter, it's a winter season, but you're out there in swimming trunks because uh, you are going to have a vacation uh, on the beach if it kills you. Or if you're in the middle of summer, uh, and that's the season, but you want to go skiing, and you put on all your gear, and you want to go skiing uh, you know, in Switzerland, in the Alps. you know. And so, But so many times in, in, in leadership, in church life, God's got us in a season, and we just we reject it. No, I want to be in a different season, and especially when it comes to winter. And so we fake fruit. We fake summer. Uh, we, we demand the glory of summer and spring without winter, and uh, we try to make a life that defies winter, and we end up artificial and fake and, 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 kill, and really taking something out of 
the people around us whom we're serving because we're demanding a push that's a summer spring push when actually it's a winter season. So, so let me just share with you what I wrote in my journal this morning. Uh, and I've been journaling every day because so much is happening internally for me. And I wrote down, you know, again, around my winter because winter is bringing me into places I don't really want to go. And again, in the midst of the pandemic. So I've got personal, family, church, and world. So I wrote down under personal things I don't want that are happening to me. And everything from uh, the change of the ministry that I lead emotionally, the discipleship, this global discipleship ministry. I mean, just we were on a had a plan, the way things were unfolding. It was going fantastic. And we've had to shift the way we're doing ministry now. And it's such a big change, and you know, technologically, et cetera. And uh, living with a second, it was two families now in one house for us. And so that's a, I, I, I love my daughter and son-in-law and the three-year-old and one-year-old, my grandchildren, they're fantastic. But we're in one space, uh, which means right now as I'm recording this, I'm in our bedroom, uh, the one room that I have control over. And, uh, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing a book and I'm towards the end of that book. It's been a year process, over a year. And so it's at the intensity of that. I don't really, I don't like that either. Uh, this wasn't my plan, this pandemic for this stage of my life. Uh, I don't like not having a haircut. Uh, I don't like the limits of what now joining into our new reality of every day at three o'clock. We babysit Jerry and I. Uh, what, what, what's happened to church? Not not meeting on Sundays or weekends. I I so grieve the hugs, the kisses, the the handshake. I mean, the, the hand, the touch. Uh, that to me is what makes. I mean, the the visible people. I, I online just doesn't do that for me, and it's a it's a loss. I. When uh, Dr. Fauci, who's uh, said in one of the interviews around the pandemic, said, I hope, he said, what, asked him, what, what's, what's your hope after this is over? He goes, I hope that we never shake hands again. Uh, I, I just remember gasping, like, oh my gosh. Uh, and then, of course, it was just the winter of just people dying. And I mentioned a couple of earlier, close to home, and then people around the world. Jobs lost, young people starting out in high school and college, and just the, all the losses of memories and funerals without people there and weddings. Uh, so anyway, I just, I just, I, 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 I realized that I, I just had to surrender. I, I don't like these things. And, and family uh, as well. Uh, what, what are some winters here? And, our, you know, I've got a daughter in Australia and there's a lot of closeness coming, happening too, but there's some worry as well. And then the church is changing globally. I, I do believe there's, there's, a, there's a shift happening, God's doing, but there's, there's a decline in numbers and, and money that's happening to the church. Uh, we're not meeting. Uh, the fact that we're, we're in a what, second month here, end of the second month of not having services. And, uh, and so that, that's, a, that's a loss. Um, uh, my goodness. And, and then I, that the world is now, just globally, besides all the suffering, the, the world is poor. Uh, things have stopped. Uh, travel stopped. And, and so, again, it, I just was journaling the winter. And so the goal of life is, is to see Jesus face to face. He is the goal. And God says there is going to be seasons. And if I don't embrace the loss, if I just look at the surface, I rarely see the seeds being planted deep beneath. And I don't see the possibilities that God's possibly planting for a leader season. But hear this, spiritual maturity cannot happen without seasons. It, it, spiritual maturity will never happen if it's only spring and summer because God didn't build life that way. So churches that say we're going to have revival um, you know, basically constantly. We're going to make sure it's revival constantly. Uh, and I actually had a theology like that early on in uh, my pastor days. It's just not biblical. 
And I remember I've done so many things to, to grow a ministry quickly because I wanted quick. I didn't want seasons. Uh, it's never turned out well. I remember getting a chunk of money once for a, an internship, and I wanted to grow our church quickly in the early days. It's one of the biggest mistakes I'd made. But we got a chunk of money. I raised it, spent it, uh, and it was just, it was so unwise. I mean, if, you've got, if you're a parent with small children, you are in a season, uh, and that season has limits to it. Uh, You've got this financial seasons. I mean, I think for most of us, uh, there's a decline in income happening right now. Uh, there's a tightening of the belt. It's clearly for uh, people in our churches. Uh, I think there's a spiritual discipline. The way we approach our spiritual practices is a season. There, there's things that don't work anymore. That season's over, and we've got to make some shifts. Our approach to God shifts. Uh, you know, there, there was a great saying by a, it was, it was a secular therapist that he was talking about. Uh, group psychotherapy. He said, all groups hate to die. I never forgot when he said that. It was in one of his books, again, Irving Yalom. And I thought that's the truth about every small group and cell groups and uh, ministries. They all hate to die. Uh, we want to hold on to stuff. Again, we're back to self-will, not surrendering, clenched fist, being in charge. Um, listen, people change, relationships change, uh, generations come and go. Uh, and, and so I've got to discern what is the season we're in right now. That's why it's so important to have some mature friends and people who love us. And and there's a and there's a time of, of being faithful. And I think we're in one of those. You know, it says in Proverbs twenty verse four, a sluggard does not plow in season. A sluggard does not plow in season. I I believe there are there are things to which we're to be faithful in in this season in terms of our practices and fellowship and serving Him and and leading. But we do it from a, a sense of relaxed. Uh, trust. Uh, it's because we understand the season that we're in, uh, and it's a time. But yet, it's a time of expectancy. Even though we're in winter, remember, there's never an end without a beginning, and nothing ends without when there's not something else that will begin. And Jesus is alive. Remember, he he conquered the power of the evil one, and uh, he is alive. And God is absolutely, infinitely perfect. It's impossible that he could ever do wrong. He is, God is great. He's infinitely beyond our comprehension. If, if you could comprehend God, if I could comprehend God and what he's doing, uh, he wouldn't be God. But And he's sovereign. He has the wisdom, the power, the holiness. He's infinitely good. He is the best qualified one to govern the world, not you and surely not me. And his plans cannot be frustrated. There's no such thing as frustrating God's plan. When he shuts a door, no one can open it. When God opens a door, no one can shut it. And when God stretches out his hand, no one's going to stop it. And so we want to surrender to God in this season. Uh, and even though you may not want stability and permanence, uh, very little is permanent in this life. And you are going to let go of everything before the day you, the moment you die, you will let go of everything, relationships, productivity, uh, your ministry, you know, everything you've had a hand on, all your possessions. We are to cling to nothing but him. He is the goal of life, again, to see his face. And uh, again, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. And this issue of, of, of freedom, God's trying to, he's, he's actually seeking to free us. Uh, and, and I like what Viktor Frankl wrote years ago in Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, he'd been to the Holocaust, and he, he wrote about it in that famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. And his basic thesis was that after one and only one of 28 people survived in the concentration camps. And he wrote about why did some survive? And what he, what he learned was that 
this spirit, they, they had to come to a place where, where spiritual freedom is what makes life meaningful and purposeful. And, and he talked about how th- there were people who, who lived in concentration camps who, who walked through the huts comforting others, who gave away their last piece of bread uh, every day, every hour. They, they chose an attitude uh, in it. And, but those who lost hope in the future died. Uh, and the question is, what, did you, what, what was the choice were you going to make with your life? And at one point, he was transferred to another camp. He arrived and he got there. There was no ovens, no crematorium, no gas, no chimney. And he says, we were all in a good mood. We were grateful for the smallest of mercies, such as being stripped naked, he writes, in a hut with frigid icicles hanging from the ceilings. But the hut's mercy was it was a delousing treatment to get cleaned of parasites. But he goes, we rejoiced. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? So there, there's, a, there's a freedom, everybody, that God inviting you to. But we, we have to learn to surrender into our winters again. And we're in one. And uh, uh, not only can suffering lose its sting when we get meaning in the midst of it, meaning is clarified, it actually becomes a cause of thanksgiving because there's gold buried underneath the pain and the sorrow. His love endures forever. So let's do this. I'd like to lead you into two minutes of silence and stillness before the Lord. And the reason I want to do this is because I don't know if there is a way to serious surrender in times of disruption like this without a significant practice of being still before the Lord, of surrendering our wills to his will and being in his presence with no agenda, but one of surrender uh, and letting go of everything besides him. And so if you're able to stay with me, I want to invite you to these two minutes before the Lord of surrendering and kind of see yourself as like a, 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 in the midst of this winter, letting go of your cleansing yourself fist. up before the Lord. Uh, so let me invite you now. We're going to take two minutes to before him. And every time your mind wanders, and it will wander, I want to invite you to do what I do is I have a simple word. I feel Abba, because I don't want to get into intercession at this point or worship. Uh, I'm not trying to hear a word from the Lord. I'm simply seeking to open up my clenched fists uh, before him, wide open palms. And I often put my palms on my lap of before him. And so every time you find yourself thinking about laundry or calls you got to make or emails, just go, oh, Abba, Abba. And again, what you're doing is being naked before God, no agenda, but his will. Uh, and in communion with him, surrendering your plans your thoughts, your ideas, your worries, everything, your leadership, your ministry to him uh, and allowing him uh, to then run the world and do his work. All right, so let's begin. We're going to take two minutes and let's be still before the Lord.
Amen. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. God bless everybody. Have a great day.